All right, there's a look at our basketball season this year. All the girls and boys that played, we've had close to 150 children and coaches and all of the uh, volunteers that helped. And so I especially want to uh, recognize this morning some who are in this service. I wanted to recognize Matt. He uh, was one of our referees. Uh, Matt, would you please stand up? I mean, he's been standing up every Saturday. Uh, our game started 8.30 in the morning and don't end until about 3.30 in the afternoon. And Matt has been on his feet from 8.30 to 3.30 every Saturday that we've played. And that's been uh, six weeks, I think, we've had of games. So Matt has been uh, doing that. So thank you, Matt, uh, for all your uh, refereeing. And also, Bill, uh, would you stand too, Bill? <laughs> Bill Wallenberg. Bill is, <laughs> he's the water boy, yes, uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill keeps all the children hydrated, and uh, Bill is there usually down in the CLC at 8 o'clock, and he is there making sure the chairs are set up, uh, making sure the, like yesterday there was a small leak, and so he was mopping up water, and then he's making sure the coolers are filled, and the cups are there, and when the, inevitably the children are always knocking over the water, so he's there mopping up the water too that they knock over, so uh, Bill also is there all day long from 8 until we're closing up yesterday about 4 o'clock. And so uh, I appreciate that uh, very much, Bill, for all that, uh, that you have done this basketball season. And so the, uh, the others that I'll recognize are in the second service, but also Pastor Brady has been there. Brady will be in the first and the second service, but uh, Pastor Brady also has been uh, with us every Saturday in lots of different ways, refereeing and also running the scoreboard. And so I uh, thank you for that, uh, Brady. Yes. And Brady, Matt, and Bill, did I miss someone that's here in this service? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, Mike. Oh, yes, Mike. <clears throat> yeah, where, where are you, Mike? Oh. Oh, okay. Yes, Mike uh, has been doing the clock for the mornings of the games. Yes, so he keeps the score right and the clock running. And so thanks, Matt, for reminding me of, of that. Of course, Mike, who, uh, one of our deacons who prayed for our offering, is yes to be recognized for what he has done as well. So. Uh, thank you for those who have participated. You saw the, the children and how much uh, fun they had and joy they had. I had an email from a parent this week who the, it was their son's first season playing and said how much he enjoyed it, how much he improved over the, the season. Uh, as you probably know, not only do the children play a game every Saturday, they hear a devotion as well. As you saw in the videos where uh, most of it, I was standing there, but Pastor Brady also did them too. I don't know why you didn't get any of the pictures of doing the devotions. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, when you saw them sitting on the floor and, list, uh, stand, and I'm standing there or Pastor Brady standing there, uh, we're teaching them uh, the scripture and teaching them stories. The stories I taught this year were ones of children in the Bible who did uh, great things, and uh, yesterday was about Jesus. I told him about the, the boy who was 12 years old who grew up to be the Savior of the world. And so, uh, so not only are they getting basketball, they're getting the Word of God, and that's the whole reason that we do it. And that's also the reason they've all been invited to church today. Uh, they will get to be in the sanctuary to worship the Lord and also hear about Jesus and have some fun. So thanks for your prayers and your participation. And uh, as always, when we come next year, we'll be asking for volunteers. And especially if you'd like to help out so that Bill and Matt 
uh, aren't having to spend all Saturday, every Saturday for two months down there, that will help out greatly. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to look in Mark chapter 4 this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this uh, morning, thankful for this outreach, Lord, that we have to reach to the community, uh, to reach to families and to children. I, I pray, Lord, that uh, this season has been more than basketball uh, for these children and families, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would use uh, the seeds that were planted as they heard from your word, as they will today. I pray, Lord, that you would use that uh, to grow in their life and to multiply. Uh, Lord, as we come to this very passage where we get the, uh, the metaphor of sowing seed and of, of uh, fruit growing in our lives, I pray that, Lord, we would realize this uh, parable is not just for uh, people who have never heard. It's not just for people who need to come to hear the gospel and believe. Lord, it's for all of us every time we hear your word. So right now, Lord, obviously we're about to hear your word. And I pray, Lord, that uh, our heart would be a good soil to hear it and to obey it. So that there is fruitfulness of 30 and 60 and 100 times. And I pray that now, Lord, for our time in your word. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. The parable of the sower. You know it very well. And I will tell you uh, the parable quickly by looking at these pictures drawn by children. Uh, Jesus tells a parable about a sower who goes out and sows seed in the field. And he sows it and throws it and scatters it and it goes on all kinds of different soils. It may seem strange to us that uh, a farmer or sower would be throwing seed willy-nilly, it seems like, all over the place. But he was uh, doing so as common practice, sometimes even before the ground was plowed up, to get the seed out and then to plow the field and the seed would go into the, the earth and be covered up and then grow. So it makes sense in that, that day for them to be throwing the seed and some of the seed fell on the path. As it did, the birds came and ate up the seed and that was the end of it. Also, some of the seed fell on rocky, shallow soil. So the, the, the seed grew and there was a plant that came up and it was starting to grow, but it didn't have good soil so it couldn't get deep roots. And so you've noticed this even in your uh, yard when the sun comes up and there's not good soil or a shallow soil, uh, the sun very quickly uh, withers that grass or withers that plant and it dies because it has no roots, it cannot get any moisture, and it just shrivels up. But then there was some seed that fell uh, among the thorns, and so the plants came up, and they looked good, but also right in the middle there were thorns, weeds, and as you also know, weeds seem to grow a lot quicker and stronger and better than, uh, than grass or weed or whatever else you're trying to grow, and so the thorns outgrew and took all the nutrients out of the soil so that the, the seed and the plant, it also withered and died. But then there was some seed that fell on good soil, and so it fell into the soil, and, and here when the plants came up, it was fruitful, and an abundance of, of uh, an increase of 30 and 60 and 100 fold what was sown. 
In Jesus' day, if a farmer uh, threw uh, out the seed and had a, an increase of 10%, it was considered a good harvest. So to have a fruitfulness of 30, 60, and 100 was an enormous, impossible, miraculous growth from the seed that was sown. And that's the story that Jesus told to the crowds. And as you listen to Jesus tell that, you may even scratch your head and say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. That doesn't sound very theological. You know, why would Jesus tell a story uh, about throwing seed around and about weeds and about the sun and about rocks and birds? And the scripture tells us in Mark chapter 4 that the, the reason why Jesus told parables was for this reason. Isn't it true that we can often listen Excuse me, we can hear, but we don't listen. We hear, but we don't listen. I think guys do that a lot. Unfortunately, when our wives are speaking to us, we can hear the words, but we don't listen. Our, our children seem to do this too. We know we're speaking words or sounds coming out of our mouth, we know they have ears. We know the words have to be going into their ears, so they're hearing, but they're not listening. And it's very true of Christians as well. We can hear, but not listen. We can come hear a sermon every Sunday and hear it, but not listen. It doesn't make a difference in our lives. We can hear God speak to us when we read the Bible, but we're not listening. We hear without listening when we hear God speak, when we hear God speak through a pastor, when we hear God speak through a devotion, a book, the, His Word, we hear it, but it doesn't get into our heart, into our soul, and so uh, we don't change our life, we don't uh, obey what we hear, uh, there's nothing different about us, it's just words going in our ear, in our brain, but it's just staying there, or it's just dissolving there, it's gone. And so, Jesus tells this parable also because it tells us here that there are plenty of people in Jesus' day that were listening and hear, uh, hearing him speak, but there were a lot of them whose hearts were so hard that they weren't really listening to what he was saying. Jesus wanted to teach in parables so that those who really wanted to know the truth and really wanted to be close to him could dig deeper and have greater understanding and know the truth and follow Jesus and obey that truth. So, Jesus tells this parable and the disciples ask him, what does it mean? And so Jesus says to him, don't you understand the parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? Jesus tells him this is an easy one. And especially when Jesus explains this, oh yeah, well of course it's easy after you explain it. But Jesus is telling them, as he told them more parables, some of them even today are hard to understand exactly what Jesus was saying. But he says... If you don't understand the simple one, this easy one, how are you going to understand the other ones? But to help them out, to help us out, Jesus explains it. He says the sower sows the word. Some are like 
Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. As we look at these soils, I want to remind you, as you heard me pray, that these words are to all of us. Sometimes we read these words and we heard this parable over and over again and we're thinking about the seed being the gospel and that the gospel is given to people and some people hear the gospel and Satan takes it away. Some people hear the gospel and they kind of accept it but then they reject it and some of them accept it but then they kind of get lost in the cares of the world. And so we're thinking only gospel and we're only thinking salvation but it's much more than that. This is to... All hearers of the word of God. So this is for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. Unbelievers who need to hear the word and accept the gospel. It's for people who are Christians and need to hear the word of God and live it out in their lives. And so as you hear Jesus explain, think about your life. Think about how you... Uh, come to his word as you read. Think about how you listen to a sermon on a Sunday morning or hear a preacher on TV or, or read a devotional book or hear a friend. I mean, we hear the word of God in lots of different ways. And what happens when you hear it? Jesus says for sometimes when we hear it, I mean, Satan takes it away right away. This is the hard heart. Some people are hard-hearted because they think they know better. You know, I, I don't need to hear anything from the Bible. That's a useless book. I know better than that. Some people are hard-hearted because they are, they've been hurt. They don't want to hear anymore. You probably know some people like that. They've had a tragic life. They blame God. They blame maybe Christians. They don't want to hear anymore. I've heard enough about God. I've heard enough about Jesus. He didn't help me before. I don't want to hear anymore. And their heart is hard. Sometimes people are just lazy. <laughs> they're not interested. Their heart's to the point, they're, just, they're not interested in anything spiritual, not interested in anything to do with the Bible or with God. You know people like that too. Uh, they'd be all interested if you were talking about sports or talking about, uh, uh, about their family, about uh, their possessions, uh, about politics. I mean, they'd, they'd love to talk about all kinds of things and uh, spend a lot of time, money, energy. And other things, it comes to, hey, let's, let's talk about uh, church or let's talk about God. Oh, I, I'm not interested in that. So they just don't want to hear it. So whether someone thinks they know better or thinks someone just doesn't want to hear anymore or someone's not interested, uh, when we're this way, nothing happens at all. You can see why someone who thinks they know better or thinks that they don't want to hear anymore or someone who's not interested, when they hear something, it goes in one ear and out the other, is the expression we use. It doesn't even get anywhere. It doesn't even get close to the heart or close to the soul. It doesn't even run around in the brain. It just goes in and out as though it never even was said. And unfortunately, that can happen to us even if, if we wouldn't consider ourselves a, an arrogant or lazy or person who's been hurt. You know, sometimes we can listen to a whole sermon and by the end of it, we have no idea what was said. Right? It's gone in one ear, 
it didn't even really get to the other ear. It just kind of went in and just, just disappeared. It didn't even get that far. So, it, you know, a hard heart can also simply be just not a, really a listening heart. You know, it can just, and that happens. We have to be aware of that. Jesus said some of the seed was sown on rocky ground. When they heard the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. This happens too. You, you hear the word of God, and you get all excited. This is often, I think, what happens when we have a, an immediate emotional response to what we hear. You can hear a, a very passionate, persuasive speaker, and you're ready to go. You know, you're, you're all pumped up, and you feel like you could accomplish anything. You feel like that you could obey God in any circumstance. You feel like you are at the top of the world. You feel like you can do it. Let's go. I, I, I'm, I'm so close to God now. Then you know what happens. Monday morning comes, and it's hard to follow God. It's hard to be obedient. And sometimes I think it's sort of like the, the, re, the retreat um, consequences or the, the tre- retreat scenario. You know, if you ever go on a weekend retreat and you've gone into and you've worshipped and you've heard the word of God and you've been away from life as you know it and you, you feel close to God and you feel excited and you're, you're ready to enter the world again. But then again, you come back down from the mountain, you come back to real life and it's hard. When it seems so easy listening to a speaker when you're at a retreat on a mountaintop to follow God and do amazing things for God and change the world, it sounded so easy. It, it sounded like you could do it. But then when you get back to real life, to jobs and to family and to bills and to uh, disappointment and discouragement, and you just say, I can't do anything. So when it gets hard, the shallow-hearted person who hears the word gives up. And so that word had no effect. It had a, a momentary emotional response that brought a lot of joy and excitement, but no real change. And sometimes I think we have to be very careful about this, because it is easy in the sanctuary to have a, a joyful and excited response to, uh, to a service because of the music or the teaching or, uh, or the encouragement you've, we've gotten and we're all excited, then we go out and get into our cars and the car won't start, or you know, we, we get home and we get a phone call, someone's yelling at us, or you know, we, we get home, the, something stove stops work. You know, life just happens. Everything that would happen in this sanctuary is gone now. It didn't make a difference. Jesus says others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So, another common response to hearing the word of God is being distracted by everything else. 
Isn't it true that in reality the Word of God is trying to compete against everything else in our life? We only have so much time in a day. Our brains can only give so much attention to what we are bombarded with. Our minds can only spend so much energy and time thinking about certain things. We don't have unlimited time. We don't have unlimited brains. We don't have unlimited thought processes. And so what can happen is uh, we can hear the Word of God, and, and for a moment it, it is the forefront of our brains, and we think about it, and it's at the forefront of our lives, and, and we're meditating on it, we're thinking about it. We, we want to be obedient, we want to do uh, change our lives, and it's all there, but then here comes worry. Here comes uh, the distraction of, of wealth and pursuing something else other than God, and there becomes all these other things that distracts us. And then our time, our energy, our meditation, our brain, our, all its focus on the Word of God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's the image that's used here. It's used of, of a, a choking. Those things just come around and squeeze and take up all the space and take up all the time and all the thoughts. They take it all up. And it squeezes everything that's spiritual and godly and just crushes it. And there's no growth. This is real easy to have happen, isn't it? Because there is so much in our lives and in our world that's bombarding us with messages and, and worries and stuff. But the thoughts of God and obedience and our spiritual life doesn't even, it goes beyond a second thought, it's a third thought, a fourth thought, a, a millionth thought. It's just not there. So Jesus is warning us don't allow these distractions to, to choke your spiritual life and keep you from obedience, and, and don't allow the, the joy that immediately comes to be squashed by the reality of life. And don't be such careless listeners or hard-hearted that you don't even really hear what's said. But rather, hear the Word of God and listen. It says, those like seeds sown on good ground hear the Word, they welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. So we finally got to the only response that should happen every time we hear the Word of God. So when we hear it, what should happen is that we hear it and we take it to heart. If there is a command to obey, we take it seriously and we obey it. If there's a sin that we need to repent of, we repent and confess of it. If God speaks to us and gives us a direction. We are to follow and be obedient. If we hear the word of God and a person comes to mind that we are to encourage, we are to encourage them. If a person comes to mind that we're supposed to help, we go and help them. If there's anything that God lays on our heart where the Spirit is leading us, we are to be obedient and do it. 
As I share with you many times at the end of our services, our time of singing and our time of praying at the end is for this very purpose. That's why we have it. It's a time for us to allow what we have heard to get down into the good soil of our hearts and for us to respond by saying yes to God and obeying God and, and, and changing our lives. If we never get to that part, then we're just like one of the other three soils where there's no fruit. This fruitful heart obeys the word of God and truly listens. I challenge you every time you hear the word of God, again, whether it's in print, as you read, as you listen, any, any way, whether it comes from a friend, always think about how God is telling you to do something. And then do it. I, you know, as a, as a pastor, on a Sunday morning, I don't get a lot of chances to hear the Word of God other than coming from my own mouth. But at times I do. And of course, as I said, I read the Bible and I listen to other speakers and you all encourage me. And, and so I, I, I've had to in my life be very um, proactive in that. Because if you don't listen with the intent of obeying or changing, what will happen is you'll have one of the other three responses. You just won't even really listen or you'll be excited for a moment or you'll start worrying about other things. Anytime I'm here, or anytime I hear, I'm trying to find a way that in some way I can be obedient and change my life. I challenge you to do the same. I spent a lot of time this morning in this service talking about how these soils are interpreted by our Lord. Uh, in the second service, I'm going to spend more time on what I want to briefly share with you. Because there is one most important word, most important seed that all of us should be sharing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, God says a lot to us, but that's the most important thing, or none of the rest of it will make sense to us. I do want to share it with you this morning because for two reasons. One is that I never assume that everyone who's in the sanctuary is saved. I never assumed that. And even if there is a Sunday morning where all of us here are believers and are saved and heaven is our home, we always need a refresher of how to say that gospel to other people. So, I want you to hear again the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have never heard it, or you've heard it many times, but it's never gone into your heart, you've never responded, this morning you can respond. And if you have heard it a thousand times and were saved 50 years ago, do you know the gospel well enough that this afternoon you could be at Wendy's and someone may just come up to you and say, this happens very rarely, but it could. Someone come up to you and say, I hear you're a Christian. You say, you're claiming you're going to heaven. Could you tell me how to do that? Could you give an answer? Could you give an answer that would make sense that you could tell in, in two minutes or, or, you know, not take a half an hour or, or fumble around or 
So that's what we're going to do. The most important word is the gospel. This is where I like to begin because our culture thinks you have to be a good person to get to heaven. But that's not true. Heaven's a perfect place. You have to be a perfect person to get there. And there's only the most arrogant person would say they're perfect. So most people will agree with you and with the scripture that they're not perfect. So that causes a big problem because heaven is a perfect place as Revelation 21 tells us. And if nothing unclean will enter it, how can we enter heaven? The news gets worse. We're all sinners, every single one of us, as Paul tells us in Romans 3.23. If we are all sinners, we all deserve to die. And what's even worse is that we can't do anything to get ourselves to heaven. Again, that's the misconception. And notice what Titus 3 says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Notice, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy. This is the big misconception. Heaven's a place where good people go. You can be a good enough person. You do enough good works. God will say, come on in. You know, it's like, it's like God graves on the curve. That uh, the, I don't know what the percentage is. The best 25% of humanity gets into heaven. Or the, you know, the best uh, 50%. The best 70%. I don't know what the percentage is. But a lot of people have in mind there's a certain threshold. If you get to that threshold, you're in. And if you're below that, you're out. That's a lie from Satan. It's nothing we do. We're not good enough to get to heaven. It's a perfect place, and so we need a Savior. And that is where the good news is, that Jesus is our Savior, that God loved the world so much that he sent his Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that's what 1 Peter 3.18 tells us. Notice again, Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. But not only did Jesus die in our place and die for our sin that we could not pay for, he also is alive and rose again to life. He said to Mary in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And Jesus asked her, do you believe this? And that's really the, the question, do you believe? Do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that you deserve to die and be separated from God forever? Do you believe that Jesus died in your place on the cross? Do you believe that he rose again to life? Do you, do you believe this? It says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. That is how we're saved. It's by faith, by believing in Jesus. That's the gift that God offers, eternal life. Any gift has to be accepted. We accept it by faith and by belief. I love this passage in Romans. It reminds us of this simple truth. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be 
saved. No if, ands, or buts about that statement. Not a, you might be saved, probably will be saved, you will be saved if you continue to be good enough. No. Confess and believe in the promise of salvation. Jesus said this as he concluded that parable, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Right now is the time as we respond to listen and obey. Father, we come to you this morning right now. And I've un- with this understanding, Lord, we have shared... I kind of find it ironic, Lord, in this way, that the whole time in your word, the whole message was about not only hearing, but listening. And so now, Lord, I understand that as you have spoken through me, some people may not have heard a single word I said. Some people may be excited about responding, but this afternoon they're going to forget. Others may last longer, but get distracted. But Lord, I also pray that there are some right now this morning where this seed has landed in good soil and they are ready to be obedient. Holy Spirit, I don't know how you have directly spoken to my brothers and sisters this morning, but God, I know you have if they have been listening. There is... Um, you have spoken to them, given them uh, something that you want them to change, you want them to do. I pray right now, Lord, that we would say yes, and that we would see the fruit produced in our lives. Lord, I pray especially for any this morning who have never accepted your gift of eternal life, Jesus. I pray that right now, as I'm speaking and praying, that they are saying to you, Lord, I believe. Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again. And right now, I'm accepting your gift by putting my faith in you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that there is someone doing that right now in response to this gospel that they have heard this morning. Lord, now's the time for me to stop talking and for your people to say yes. And I pray that they will in your name. Amen.